Hello and welcome to Cosmic Crit. I'm Rebecca and I'm here to introduce the new episode. But before we get to that, we do have a new June fan challenge. It is a fan art challenge. So if you are inspired by Cosmic Crit and want to draw some fan art depicting a scene from the campaign or your favorite character or characters, send us that fan art and you could win a prize. Win something from our store or maybe you'll get a Paizo PDF. We also are looking for Crittermander captains for Starfinder Society games for Cosmic Crit. So we're looking for more GMs to join the ranks and run games and spread the Starfinder love. And if you run some games for us, then you could get some Cosmic Crit swag and Paizo stuff. Also, you'll get to play Starfinder with some pretty cool Crittermanders. So check out our website for details on how you can become a Crittermander captain. I also wanted to give a quick shout out to Blazork, one of our good friends, good friend of the show, who represented us at PaizoCon. So none of the players were able to attend this year. Um, we're really sad about it, maybe next year. But Blazork went and spread the good word about Cosmic Crit, so thank you, Blizzard, for all that you do for us. And now, without further delay, episode 39, Docking, Docking Bays of, of Future, Future Past. Last time on Cosmic Crit. We board the Drift Rider and set our course for Negior. Alindra had a vision about strange aliens who were also studying the stellar degenerator. Fifteen minutes into drift space and Alindra's already doing research. Andis notices something strange about the photo found in Pasilar's apartment. We all have connections to the people in Andis's photo. Coincidence? The dross feels left out. Our trip was interrupted by a ship from the Aslanti Empire. The Drift Rider is boarded. Remy is stoked to have some awesome new spells. However, the dice have other plans for showing them off. We let a perfectly good set of loot, I mean, Aeon Guard, get away. Looks like these Aeon Guard are slated for demotion. More like explosion. Episode commencing in 3, 2, 1. Episode initiated. Strap into your space seats, everyone, because the ship's going down. Greetings, family members, coasting toward the promised land of Alpha Centauri. My name is Patrick, and I'm your GM, your Gemini Major of the Space Corps, and I am here to welcome you all to another episode of Cosmic Crits. On this week's episode, the crew wanders around the vast as they try not to get lost in space. So let's go ahead and meet the Starfinder family Robinsons themselves, my friends and your players here on the podcast. To my left. The rambunctious little kid that went on to play Linear in Babylon 5. It's Drew playing Axisrak. Fish heads, fish heads, something, something, fish heads. To his left, the bubble-headed robot who warns their friends about impending perils. It's Jabert playing Andis 147. Hey, everybody. Hey, Patrick, how you doing? Hello. Across the digital table, the hotshot piloting ace that is hoping to get the family home in one piece. It's Miles playing Raimi. Good evening. All I know about Lost in Space are quotes from the 98 movie. That's all That's all I'm going from. <laughs> oh, well, then, long. believe me, Patrick, evil knows evil. <laughs> and to his left, the awkward middle child with a pet alien that goes bloop bloop. Rebecca playing Melindra Vallis. Hello. And finally to my right, never fear, Edros is here as someone that is always getting the gang into shenanigans. Tyler playing Edros Veronis. Bloop, bloop. Hey, everybody. <laughs> danger, cosmic crit danger. Uh, how, how are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. 
how are you all feeling? Maybe I should say that. <laughs> 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 everyone... Felt better? Yeah. Better than earlier this week? Yeah, no. What do we get the the online bug that you pass through microphones? <laughs> <laughs> it appears so because I think Tyler's <laughs> coming down with it now. And, and I've been coughing up a storm all day. Oh gosh. Oh. Sorry, gang. Got them allergies too. It's that time of year. We have taken a, a little pause in in playing some Starfinder. It's been a while. Are you guys ready to get back into it though? Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! So ready, so ready. <laughs> uh, we we left off on such a a crazy cliffhanger last week. Of you guys were about to get to Meteor, this planet and this star system out in the vast, and you all as players have no idea what to expect. I think I've given away nothing of what's to come. But what's more than that is your characters have no idea what they're getting themselves into. There's no records on the system. Maybe you say for like a ancient stellar cartography of its location. It's like, oh, it's a star, <laughs> you know, out in out in space. So let's just jump right back into it. Uh, last time where we left off, you guys made your transit into the vast, the outer edges of the galaxy that we're playing in. The furthest reaches away from Absalom Station, which is kind of like the, the heart of the galaxy where drift travel is easiest. And <laughs> we rolled it up randomly. This journey is going to take you 19 days. And we're at about the halfway point where you were all spotted by this enemy vessel of the Aslanti Empire. And you took on the Aeon Guard, managed to kill one of their crew, while the other one self-destructed their vessel. And that's where we left off. Sound about right? Yeah. Yep. So, you all have time to crack open the weapons and armor on the, the dead Aslanti soldier and Andis or Raimi, if you're taking a look at them, it seems like all of the gear is genetically locked to, you know, whoever it was given to. So, if you try and pick it up and, and fire it, the, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't shoot. You know, the, the gun doesn't work. The, the armor is, is rigid. But if you spend time... Uh, maybe in the engineering bay, Andis, and take your time doing it. You can pretty easily crack the engineering code to it yeah. and, and make them usable. Yeah, we, we've got a we've got a tech workshop now, so we oh. can. Uh... <laughs> and you have like nine more days in this journey, so <laughs> now we're gonna make <laughs> us roll it. But yeah, it, it. I think it would normally take uh, like half an hour or so to like crack the technology. So you can you can take the take twenty as it were to. Um, Unlock. That's way better than my plan, which was we can at Bernie's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't carry a suit around, <laughs> have him firing. <laughs> yeah, we've always been a six-person party. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Why are there two goblins strapped to the back of that dead soldier? <laughs> yeah, uh, can I make an engineering check to rig up a system of pulleys and strings <laughs> of cantilevers and goblins? Right. Uh, How many UPBs uh, does it make? To, or does it take to make some cool sunglasses? <laughs> uh, speaking of the goblins, they pop in over the course of your your mechanic project. You know bringing Andis something to drink, dabbing perspiration from their forehead with a towel, and Bumfuzzle looks <laughs> you over and is like, uh, th this looks like some serious technology. Uh, who's going to wield this glorious tech in battle? Uh, I'm going I'm to take that armor. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, who, who is going to take these guys? Yeah, no, I don't know if we talked about it last week, but it's some light armor, and it, they had a rifle, uh, a pistol, which I think is basically the equivalent of what Knack is, is rocking right now. Corona laser pistol. But if you want to resize it for a small creature, a Knack Feldspar-sized creature, it takes a little 
bit of time, um, cutting out some some pieces. You know. Yeah, I'm just gonna like chuck like chop off like the thigh pieces, so it's just like <laughs> so it's like a not articulated. So he has to like walk around like a little <laughs> like a little tin soldier, like the kid from Christmas Story. Excellent. He has uh, to turn his whole body to say, "Get him." Right, so the, the goblins will take the time, and they'll they'll help you modify that armor to fit a a, a knack frame mm-hmm. and make it purple. Yeah. It has this very intimidating helmet to it. Uh, no, you can easily paint over it or give it like a sheen. Um, but yeah, the, the helmet has this single cyclopean eye hole. That's like red, evil-looking eye hole. You can just you know put another helmet on that basically if you don't want yeah. to. Uh, if, if you yeah, want to have your I'll, face, I'll punch out. Yeah, I'll punch out like two holes so <laughs> he can he can look through it, and so gotcha. it looks just slightly janky. But he looks kind of like a Cyberman from uh from Doctor Who. So <laughs> not a bad look, not a bad look, not a bad look. I think Adros would come over, and he's got that floating blue sphere Aeon Stone that he's had for some time, and he 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 grabs it and he hands it to Nack and says, "I don't know if I've gotten as much use out of this as." Probably you could, and now that you have this fancy tech-looking armor stuff, and I, I think one of these could slot into it. And, and you know, considering you're all good with the talky-talky, I think this will help out. And he hands you the stuff. Uh, let me take a look. It looks like there are two of them slotted in here already. What's uh? See, so I know what this this purple one is. Uh, I think the, the clear the clear one is all about uh saving you from eating, but this purple one, I, I don't know what that one does. Uh, it's a, it's basically a purple force field, but this is tech that only Islanti Empire has access to. This specific Aeon Stone. Alindra speaks up and mm-hmm. says, I will take that one. Uh, Nanak <laughs> pops it out and tosses it to her. She catches it deftly in her hand and puts it into her armor. Don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, buy yourself something nice, kiddo. So, Drew, for you, the Blue Sphere Aeon Stone gives you a uh, plus two to perception and a plus two to sense motive. <gasps> That's what I oh. wanted. So, I, it, it will help, I guess, with perception rolls, but I don't know if that sense motive uh, will stack with the many bonuses that gets to to sense motive as a an envoy. Let's let's get back into it. So let's fast forward a bit. You guys have the rest of the, the trip on the drift rider, which goes swimmingly. It's it's uneventful, and you get to the countdown where you're about to exit drift, get to the the Nijior system, and immediately Galara starts working overtime, uh, feeding telemetry data into like the the monitors as you exit drift space a holographic projector pops up of of the data that she is tabulating and slowly this 3d hologram of the system you find yourself in this distant star system begins to form and through the view screen you can see that there is a uh, a large yellow sun in the middle of the system and it is formed into a a beach ball sized orb hologram floating in the, the middle of the, the bridge. Galar comes up and says, Need your system. Packed designation DY9.35629. Nine planets, three class J gas giants, one class N, one class Y, two class H, two class D. Examining these, it looks like most are just small dead rocks and the others gas giants. What do you all want to do? 
I'd like to make a physical science check on, because I'm an astronomer, to see if I am familiar with this system at all. Go right ahead. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I rolled roll a natural one. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, so you've studied probably, you know, countless stars and star system. If you had read anything about this system, it didn't register at all. It looks very boring by comparison. You know, you've studied like crazy binary star systems and systems with all kinds of like rogue planets uh, in them and in crazy orbits. This is very standard and it's actually very close to our player's solar system in, in composition. You know, a couple gas giants, a couple rocky things close to the, the star and, and a few, you know, cold dead worlds out beyond the gas giants. It's It doesn't seem remarkable in any way that you can recall. Uh, do any of these appear to be habitable in any meaningful sense? Like, are any of them like in the habitable zone, or...? Yeah, not particularly, but, you know, finding that information out will require scanning, long-range scanning, with the ship's computer. So, mm -hmm. anybody can make that role. If you guys want to team up and do some computer work, you can. Uh, and right. I think you should probably be the one to, to take the science station for this. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the reins. Let's see. Gonna adjust, turn up the gain. And just take the wheel some. and drive. I'm gonna do it. You know, making this thing wiggle like that. Ah, 24. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Wait, you, you rolled a two on the dice. It's so high. <laughs> <laughs> it's so high. Level seven is scary. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, awesome. I mean, you can take your time with uh, doing these scans from all the data that Galar is collecting. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't seem like anyone, any of them are particularly habitable. Uh, you do find with these long range scans, they take, they take some time because you have to, you know, uh, travel through the, the system, getting closer to these worlds. What, Jibber, why don't you roll a D8 for me as well? We'll see how long it takes. Sounds good. Do these computer checks. Now this is the real test. How good is Andis? I'm right. half good. Not that bad. Four. It, it takes like four hours building up information. But the only signs of anything close to civilization in the entire system uh, seem to be coming from Nijior 6, which is a huge gas giant middle of the, the star system. Hmm. So, uh, Do we know of any gas giants that have that are habited? Oh, yeah. The ones in the pack system have... You know, whether in the, the moons around them or in, in, in floating structures above, you have uh, oh, okay, places okay. where they can So this is, this is not like an unknown thing. Like there, there are sort a, of like... There's a city on the surface of the sun in the, in the back oh, that's of the world. That's a fair system. point. <laughs> <laughs> there's like no place that's on it. So like, so like, 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 like uh, Vespin would not be like... No, out of the ordinary. It, it wouldn't. Are there, uh, are there any moons around Nijior 6 that we could scan for, for anything? Well, if you get closer to that system, as I imagine you would, the scan pulls up more information, and a holographic image from the gas giant itself uh, begins to form, and you get data back of what does indeed look like a floating island in the high stratosphere, well above the, the thick atmosphere of the, the giant, uh, maybe a hundred miles above the, the, the thicker clouds. And as you get closer, you do read uh, very uh, light life signs coming from this, this island. Do you guys want to, to fly on down? Let's go to Bespin. Yes. 
Yeah, is there, is there, <laughs> can we scan for capes? Sweet space capes. <laughs> this deal is getting worse by the minute. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't you, do, you don't write this API deal. <laughs> <laughs> Crossing out all my dialogue here. So yeah, when you get closer, uh, you do see out the the port side window as you draw into the gas giant Nijior Six some structures. Uh, dozens of buildings, but it looks like mainly it's overgrown with vegetation, large trees, and as the the 3D display populates, you can tell a lot of the buildings seem to be destroyed, toppled over into rubble. And just with your computer check that you made as you're getting closer, you notice that there are energy signatures coming from from the island, but not as many as you think there would be. It's mm-hmm. It's almost like the city has gone dark, but yeah, there's like maybe four or five different small energy signatures. Nothing in the, you would think would be coming from like a a power plant or Mm. or something that would power a city of this size. You also bring up with your scan, it looks like the construction materials on these buildings are thousands of years old, you know? They were built maybe millennia ago. So very old structures, many destroyed. Interesting. So looks like what we're looking at here is some some ruins, which I, I right. suppose is not totally unexpected, given... Now we got to traipse around some elven ruins. Now we get to come across some alien ruins. Why can't we ever go anywhere nice? When this is all over, Edris, I'll take you somewhere very nice. Oh, thank you. At the back of an El Camino? Maybe. <laughs> uh, so this is what it looks like. Take a look. You, I've got a wow. top-down view for you all, as well as kind of like a, a side view of this floating rock this uh this city has a traffic circle in it they suck <laughs> they reduced <laughs> traffic accidents by 40 percent so they're very smart i i like the efficiency so is this the uh is this like like the landing pad like over here down to the south east yeah so as you make like a, a circle around it you can tell that I mean, almost the entire island seems to be in a great deal of, of disrepair, either overgrown with trees or full of rubble. And, yeah, but, I noticed like Central Park there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, a <laughs> massive area that is trees and, and wildlife. But in that southeast corner, there does seem to be a one of the few places that there is uh, space to land the drift rider and this this landing pad. In addition to that, I'll just give a quick explanation of our space. It's maybe a square mile. Uh, you do see that large wooded area in the middle uh, to the northwest. Looks like there are fragments of the island that are floating off of of the the main superstructure and just kind of suspended in air next to it. And yeah, jutting off the southeast side is where you can put the ship down. There are indeed what looks like five arms to to this landing pad, but only one of them is still intact. An emerald green landing pad. Are you guys putting her down, putting the drift rider down? Yeah, take us down, Raimi. Okie dokie. Floating, as I said, a hundred miles above the the clouds of this massive gas giant, purple and pink and orange. Uh, I I take it we're going to have to activate our environmental protections on the suits, our armor. Well, so let's get down to, to the surface you all, sure. in nearly the first time in three weeks, can maneuver the Drift Rider with its landing jets, have it spin around and plant itself on this uh, very solid landing pad. As you do, and you can step outside venting exhaust and, and engine cool it, 
in these massive plumes that dissipate in a a wind that blows across the island. And it's... um, You can breathe here. It's very thin. It's it's a wispy uh, atmosphere, but it's not enough that it's it makes it difficult to to breathe. It does seem like there is a maybe a bubble of of air around the the, the island. But um, yeah, maybe you get a little lightheaded every once in a while if you're you're looking over the side of this landing pad and you see this drop below. But you do not have to uh, have your your suit on if you don't want to. Stepping down from your gangway. Uh, from the ship, you see the ground here isn't green, but nearly every square inch of the underside of the landing pad seems to be overgrown with a uh, luminously green spongy lichen. And underneath, you can see the platform material that it's made from is a, a very, it's nearly opaque, uh, a polymer and the, the color of this plant underneath that just kind of filters up. The material seems very similar to the composition of your starship's very expensive transparent aluminum windows, but seems to be thicker, stronger underneath your feet. Bunch of guys, is you're looking around, make me a perception check. So that'll be a 36 with that uh, new Aeon Stone. Oh, that's too much. Oh, that's, that's a high number. <laughs> oh, you got a 19 and <laughs> Miles, you rolled a natural 20. Oh, no, Tyler. <laughs> well, I, I, I gave up the stone. Aeon Stone wouldn't have helped. But Edris can't find his butt with his hands tied behind his back. <laughs> <laughs> It's no, gotta be he, down there somewhere. He sees like a, he sees a smudge on his metal tail cap, and he's very distracted as he tries to like catch his tail so that he can he can clean it. It's all the drift rider looks so beautiful sitting on this landing pad. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very good. I don't know that I've ever seen it from this angle. It's very good. I think I have. Yeah, yeah. I made up this little map here of the the landing pad. As you guys are looking around, you can see towards the middle. Uh, where you all are standing, there do seem to be some scorch marks, perhaps from a, a different ship's VTOL afterburner. And our friends here, Andis, Knack, and Raimi, who have rolled over 25, see that. But you also see hiding behind maybe some rubble on the edge of the pad, just slight movement as shadows shift beneath your feet. I need everyone to make an initiative roll. Oh. Who could have guessed that something on this planet would want to kill you? I know. When the GM pulls up a map, I never suspect combat. Aha! Right, so we rolled initiative before we started tonight because we were very excited to get back to you playing and getting some combat, maybe, in this episode. I love it when this happens, but in our initiative turn order, the three people that rolled the highest on their perception roll also rolled the highest in the initiative turn order, which is always fun. Ready to battle. Uh, Right, so you see crawling over the sides of the landing pad down from where this green moss is is growing, four figures emerge. And these are aliens you have never seen before, wearing looks like strapped together, mismatched armor, some of which might be made of plastics or metals and other parts that look like the scales of a, a large snake. Uh, their faces have mandibles ending in, in sharp teeth. They have three eyes, and they look quite strong, and they are coming in your direction. This is what they look like. Ooh. Oh, oh they, look, they look rad. Yeah. Oh, dunk. 
Yeah. I like them. A couple of them unsling what look like bows and arrows from their back. And a couple of them, these wicked looking axes. And already, so this is going to be a surprise round. And the three people that rolled over, I believe it was a DC 25 perception check. Uh, Raimi, Andis, and Knack, in that order, get to do something in the surprise round, either a move or a standard action. Uh, first is Raimi Quindar. Okay, um, can I try to communicate with them? Because, I mean, I, I don't know that they're they're enemies. They, sure. They, 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 by the picture, they seem like they're they're sentient, intelligent beings. Good call, Miles. Right. What do you want to say? In what language do you want to say it? Which I want to say it in, uh... You could say it in all of them. You could just, <laughs> uh, well, you could, you could say, say hello in, like, ten languages or whatever yeah. you speak. Like. I'm, I'm going to do that. Uh, I, I just want to say, um, you know, something obviously generic, but, you know, hello, we, we come in peace. Oh, blah. Oh, so no, clean. no, no! <laughs> say, 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 you know, we mean no harm, or like we are. That's the same are, thing. It's we cliche, are we, we are weary. We are weary travelers looking for a place to rest. Oh, I'm making a joke. Take me all to your bad. leader. No, Take me to but your leader. seriously, like it's it's a simple thing just to get no, them that, to not attack. That is a free action. Uh, you have also a move or a standard. Is there something you'd like to do in addition to that? Oh, I mean, I'd like to hold to see how they respond before I I, <laughs> I make my actual action. <laughs> so, I mean, that's basically forfeiting it with the surprise round. Okay, that's fine. That is fine. Andis, one, four, seven. Let's see. Are you going to negate to what I just said? So right now we have a move action or a standard? Uh, in the surprise round, yes. Okay. I'm going to track uh, the gentleman to my my right. All right. So towards the, the western side of the, the landing pad, that's a move action. So all set there. And Knack Feldspar. Uh, Knack is very interested in how Raimi is going to handle the situation with communicating. Because uh, I was actually thinking the same thing. Um, but I guess I can't roll a diplomacy roll at this point. Uh, but I am going to move down to this spot. And, mm-hmm. you know, just in case. One uh, you, could, you could roll diplomacy, couldn't you? Just You could also back me up in, in talking. Mm-hmm. Can I do that? Yes. Yeah. All right. Then I am going to, to do that very thing. You know, long-term diplomacy takes time, but you can say something to them. Uh, so that's a 28, and I'm going to also add my expertise die to that. Mm-hmm. I'll let you know. It doesn't matter if you're not speaking their language. Uh, and I am going to just <laughs> as as much as I can in... Uh, do I speak Sheeran? I know they're not Sheeran, but uh, maybe it's close. I don't know. I'll start with common and hoping that, that it gets out there that, uh, you know, we, we mm. mean you no harm. We just want to talk. Hey. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey. 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 Okay. <laughs> that is our surprise round. You moved kind of towards the, the middle of the, the landing pad. Said hey. And let's go into full initiative turn order. They've moved on their surprise round. They are now on top of the platform in all directions, all around you, these four. They they do start saying something, uh, but it seems like more to one another, and it's in a, it's in a language, yeah, you don't necessarily understand. They're like, We are in turn one, Rami Quindar. It is your turn. Yeah, I, I cast Comprehend Language. <laughs> 
an easy one, right? Level one spell. You, you know yep. what they're saying now, uh, right? So <laughs> you hear them talking, getting ready. They're they're putting a arrow into the bow, and one of them looks like it's about to charge in your direction. Uh, yeah. So this one, uh, maybe that is closest to you, with a with a bow and arrow. Uh, you hear maybe in a thick accent, but uh, you can understand it now. And it says, "Do not let the demons leave alive." They must not make it to the city. All right, guys. They think we're demons. They're trying to kill us. You know what to do. Oh, I love it when diplomacy fails. <laughs> the three seconds <laughs> of diplomacy down the drain. That, unless you want to make a move action, it's your turn. And it's one, four, seven. Let's see. So I've just noticed that Rami's a little bit exposed. So I'm going to take a move action to actually track the the person to my left over on the furthest to the east. Oh, okay. And then just change my targets back over and uh, take a shot that way. All right, so you're like flipping the gun from like one side of the platform to another. Right, yeah, I was I was like, I was sort of like pointing it back and forth and sort of like trying to hold him at bay. But <laughs> once, once Raimi was like, all right, it's on. And it's like finally commits to a target and then takes a shot. Uh, 22 on the attack. A 22 against EAC as a hit. Yes. That'll be 16 points of damage. Ooh, very nice. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that is a hit. Heavens to Bortzy. You see, yeah, a massive hole from your, your laser bolt open up this thing's armor just goes right through and looks hurt and as your turn now it is their turn this one does look like it was about maybe to fire in Raimi's direction it's taken its arrow and it's going to fire uh, I think we'll fire a couple times and aim this one for seven actually no it's, it's gonna fire it's gonna fire a single arrow not just single arrow what is your KAC? Oof, probably doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my KAC is 22. 22. I've rolled a 16. It is indeed a hit. And I've rolled a 6 on the dice now. Because this is a bow and arrow. This counts as an archaic weapon. Which means if you are wearing like basically any form of normal armor, you, you take 5 less damage. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I've uh, rolled 10 points of damage. So that is 5 that you'll be taking. All right. I'll be telling you all the updated information, so that is what you will be taking, because everyone's wearing armor here. Uh, let's see, who else is going to get hit with Arrow? This one down in the southwest corner is going to take a shot at Knack Feldspar. And what is your KAC? My KAC is... It's a new number now. Uh, 23. Ooh, I have... I would have hit if you had not gone already, as uh, so you would have been flat-footed. But that is a miss. Yeah, the arrow soars right past your head. Missing, I rolled a 12 on the dice there. Let's go ahead to these two that have pulled out battle axes, and the, the two closest of them, they are making a charge. And that's one to Edros Varanus, one to Alendra Vallis, both of whom have not acted yet. Just a little bit behind, you're looking around, you see all four of these guys rushing at you. They have these huge battle axes. This one's going to bring it down on Edros. Edros Varanos. Ooh, <laughs> so close being an 18. That has a five on the dice. That's going to be a miss <laughs> against KAC. <laughs> I, I can tell you that. And against Alindra Vallis, this other one comes up and Raimi, you hear him 
screaming out, Die devil! Die devil! And uh, Alindra, you hear just this this crazy, shrill alien language as he brings another axe down on you. Okay. Natural one on that dice, so I believe that's going to be a miss. Pretty bad one. (laughs) And... Believe it or not, this combat's going just about exactly how I thought. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We're back to Knack Feldspar. All right. So um, in preparation for this, I am going to use Get'em, and I'm going to spend an RP to have it apply to everybody in the combat arena, everybody in 60 Mm. feet, which I have moved to make sure that uh, everybody is. Oh, you sneaky little rat man. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to quick draw from a cheek pouch my arc pistol. My good old arc pistol, which does nothing. But I want to set it to stun. Okay. And I'm pretty sure the guy in the in the uh, northeast, this this cat right here, is the one that has already taken damage. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that is the one that Andus 147 shot at. That is the one that I want to shoot stun damage to. Okay, you uh, the you're just within range on the uh, arc pistol. I'm guessing. What's the the, uh, range, on the range on that one? You know, I don't have it in here. Uh, oh I no, I think it's oh, no. I, don't, I think it's only fifty feet. Actually, it's only fifty. It's a bit. Go ahead and make that attack roll. We'll see what comes up. Hmm. Yes. Right. So it would be a sixteen with get them. Guess what? We have to look it up. <laughs> uh, 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 to the core rule book, I'm everyone. So, I'm so used to shooting my Corona. Is it, a which pulse has like a, is it a pulse caster or is it a static arc? It should be a static arc. It's like the basic. Okay, so yeah, 50 so, feet. Is it 50? Oh, oh my God. I had that memorized. That's not. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because you are just outside of that range increment. That is a miss. Blast it. Roll better than a three on your Yeah, that too. That too. Uh, next in the turn order, Adros Faranis. This one has charged up to you and <laughs> missed really bad, even with the, in addition to that negative two on the charge. Uh, Adros sees him miss very bad and just kind of turns to everybody and goes, I, should we just knock him out? Should I kill him? I mean, they're kind of cute. I don't know. What, what are we doing? You do you, buddy. Thinking maybe knock him out? I don't know. Diplomacy might win the day here. <laughs> uh, as I said, they think we're demons. Yeah, well, I look like a demon. Um, all right. Uh, I can just choose to do non-lethal damage, correct? With, with your weapon, there's a negative. If you're not using something that has the, the non-lethal weapon property, uh, a negative. What's the negative? Minus four? I, I think so. I can look it up in, in just one moment. Um, oh, well, let's roll it. Oh, we're going to play that game again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically, instead of turning on the powering the plasma doshko, he basically just has a staff. He's just going to like hit him in the head with the staff. <laughs> yeah. And let, let, this is going to be a kabonk. <laughs> That's going to be a 25 to kabonk. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Definitely going to be a hit. It is uh, just a negative four to the attack roll. Okay. Um, 21 so to kabonk. 21 is a hit. 23 kabonking. Oh, jeez Louise. Uh, so that this one has not been hit yet. So you just uh, bring this thing across its face, and it looks pretty stunned and confused. But hurt. Uh, obviously, that's going to hurt anybody. A kabonk of that <laughs> stature. Alindra Vallis, you're up. Uh, I'm not sure how to do non-lethal we- uh, damage, uh, so I'm going to just use my solar weapon one time. 
Mm. and hope that I don't actually kill the thing. Oh boy, you're, you're, you think very highly of yourself, don't you? <laughs> Accidental murder. Well, I was going to do a full attack, but everyone's like trying not to kill him. <laughs> but apparently we don't speak their language anyway, so is there really any point in trying to save these guys? I mean- it's not, not only you don't speak their language, you don't know what language they're speaking. Right. Uh, I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess there's a difference here. Good guys would say just because you don't speak the language doesn't mean that doesn't give you the right to kill them. Bad guys would say kill them because we don't care. <laughs> no, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but if they're just going to kill us, I mean, mm-hmm. how are we going just to use diplomacy? Somebody, somebody wanting to kill you doesn't mean it's right to kill them back. But Spo- you spoiler warning. Sure, sure. Well, no, it kind of does. You can defend yourself. Spoiler warning. I'm gonna attack you on my next turn. Right. All right. So I'm actually going to go against the group and just full attack on this guy. Oh, uh, boy. So we'll see how this goes. So that's a negative oh, three to attack. So that's a 26 to attack. Hit. It's not even including get him, right? Yeah, it doesn't even include get right. Um, And that's 27 damage. 28 damage. Oh, yeah, that it's, hurts. That's actually, oh, I forgot, because I used the RP, we have to add mm. plus two to all of these damage rolls that we have not been adding plus two to. Oh, oh boy. Uh, so 30 damage? 30 points of damage, yeah. You slice <laughs> into this one, this weird-looking alien, and it looks taken aback. It is hurting right now. Uh, second attack? Can I try diplomacy first, like in between, or do I Oh, to- come no. on! Oh, come <laughs> on! Can I make it so that there's no consequence God. to my action? You're not going to be able to diplomacy this one. Right. I, I'm kind of thinking that. All right, so I'm going to attempt I've my second attack. I've already told everyone I think we're demons. All right, I'm going to attempt my second attack. So this is a 20, a 19 to attack, I think? 19? Yeah. Against KAC, that is a hit. <laughs> awesome. And that's going to be, oh gosh, 32 damage? <laughs> uh, right. So you drive the second blade uh, straight into the side of its stomach. Uh, and whenever it hits, the lights go out on this guy and he falls to the ground dead. Just kill him, guys. <laughs> Try to diplomacy yourself out of that one, everybody. <laughs> So one Guys, down. They're way, they're way easier when you just chop them in half. It's so easy. <laughs> Diplomacy is so easy. I'm winning. Uh, this is turn two. We're at the top of it, and at the top is Rami Quindar. All right. So uh, for for whatever reason, my warnings of diplomacy is not an option went unnoticed to most of the group except Alindra. <laughs> I am going to attack the um, the fellow on the far east. Uh, by himself that is in my clear line of sight. And I am going to cast uh, Arcing Surge. Oh boy, big old line of electricity. Uh, blast from your fingertips. Ooh, that's a lot of damage. Let's go <laughs> ahead and see if this thing can jump out of the way of some of it. Oh, what is the DC that I need to beat on reflex? Uh, 19. DC 19 for the reflex save, is that correct? Yes. I've rolled a 12. I've missed it by one, so it's taking this full damage here. It's a 43 damage. 43 damage. Oh, boy. And that, yeah, that includes your harmful magic. Oh, it is. This guy looks like he is about to fall off the back of this platform. He is nearly dead. You see smoke uh, coming out of its its archaic-looking armor. (laughs) Just about every part of him tinged with electrical fire. <laughs> that is Rami's turn and this 147 back to you. 
All right. I'm going to make two shots. Now, if I make two shots, uh, they don't necessarily have to be against the same person. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. I, I'm just committing to making two shots, though. Correct. Okay. So I'm going to take two shots. First one, obviously, at the guy who's been injured pretty badly. Mm-hmm. We've all been shooting at. So at here we least. go. Ah, there we are. Oh, boy. That is a... <laughs> 29 to hit. A lot of 19s we've been rolling so far. That is a hit. This one, uh, yeah, the one-two combo of Raimi and Andis is is too much. It is dead. He falls over the the back of the uh, platform. You actually hear metal line uh, go taut and go twang. Uh, it looks like the, the body is hanging off the, the edge of the platform from some kind of uh, uh, <laughs> repelling system. Hmm. Next shot, who are we shooting at now? <laughs> I'm just going to just take a shot at the one that's in combat with Edris right now. Okay, so shooting over your friend's shoulder here. So a little bit of a negative, but mm-hmm. roll 19, I don't think it's going to matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is... So as far as I'm concerned, it's a 21 to hit. Mm-hmm. So we've got a, a negative four for, for shooting through Edros, negative four for the the two shots, but you've already factored that one in, right? Right, right. And then plus two from... Yeah, plus know. two from get him. That's a hit. Oh, hey, how about that? Uh, it's <laughs> uh, low damage, but uh, it's 10 damage. That's 12 with uh, the get him. 12! bonus. Right, so... 12! This one has taken some non-lethal damage. This is lethal damage. You're able to score a hit right through its leg. Uh, burns a hole there. And we're back onto these guys' turn. I think this one that did shoot at Knack is got to just, yeah, just got to drop that bow, pull out the, the battle axe and, and come for you. And this one is going to attack Edros. It's on top. It's going to make two attacks against Edros and probably... Hopefully, gonna roll better this time. Patrick is gonna roll better. Oh, that first one did not roll better. That was a six. Second one is a twelve, and we said uh, Tyler, your your armor class twenty three. No, twenty five. Twenty five now. Ugh. Ooh, that is a miss because of the double attack. <laughs> yeah, this one is indeed going to to charge up at Knack. What is your KAC? I think I just asked it, but Drew. Next case. Next KAC is 23. Ooh, so close to <laughs> rolling a one there. I saw it wanted to come up on the dice. I really wanted is, it to be a one. What is happening? I've rolled a 13, and that is just a hit with the negatives for charging. Oh, boy. Uh, all right, so doing some damage for the first time with one of these bill battle axes. And you take... 10 points of damage as it brings the battle axe down on your, your shoulder, cutting through your armor, cutting through the, the meat by your neck, and it is your turn, Knack. Uh, so Knack is going to take a guarded step. Mm, uh, always a good choice right when here. in combat. Quick draw that Corona laser pistol. Man, you scuffed my shoes. Get him! <laughs> this armor's new! <laughs> so that is a 22 to hit. That's a hit. Uh, for nine damage. All right. The first damage on this one. Edros Veranus, we're back to you. We're going to do a double kabonking. Oh, boy. <laughs> Negative eight both these? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. These guys don't seem too too tough. 
we're just gonna end, uh but i don't have get him on this one anymore so no i uh, will be the full negative eight so just oh boy we'll just double double kabonk this guy it's gonna be an <clears throat> excuse me an 18 that's a hit <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, 20, 20 kabonking points. It's still up, though. Still up. Uh, that's a miss. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote a little bit, a little bit less, so not going to hit. He is not doing too well. You've beaten him about the head. He's taking a, a shot from Andis. Uh, Alindra Vallis, we're back to you. All right, I'm going to Stellar Rush at the okay. one that Knack was attacking. Oh, no. And I'm just going to use a melee attack at the end of it. Okay. Take me that attack roll. Uh, so that's a 31 to a 18 on the dice. That's a hit. That's a 32 so to attack. Does, oh, yeah, so that does 21 damage. Ooh, boy. So, yeah, he's not doing well as well. Almost done as much as either one of your single attacks on the other one, the, the previous round. Uh, this one, that, that attack knack, got a hurt put on them by, by Lindra. That is turn two. We're back at the top. Uh, turn three, Ramy Quindar. All right, so I'm gonna move right. Yeah, I'm moving under the the wing of the Drift Rider. Yeah, a little shady spot, and I'm gonna use my uh, magic missile. Okay, so moving with the magic missile, it's two d four. We're gonna take the first two here. Seven, uh, attacking the gentleman in front of Edric. Already, so <laughs> it only had, I believe, five hit points left, so that's <laughs> just enough. Uh, he goes down. Does seem like it. this one is still alive, though. It'd take a, a lot of kabonking. It's just unconscious on the ground. And it's 147. Back to you. All right. I'm going to drop my laser rifle, then clip out my baton, mm. step up, and... Uh, and uh, try to whack this guy. And I'm going to go for non-lethal. Oh. And just see if I can drop this one non-lethal as well. You know what they say. Always keep a baton in your wrist slot. That's what they say. So let's see. This is at minus two. Okay. 17. Ooh, against KAC, that is just a miss. Ooh. Just barely a miss. It is its turn. Monsters turn this alien who's got a Lindra up in its face just did a ton of damage to it it's gonna try it's gonna try and make a uh, a single attack against a Lindra all right <laughs> really nice natural <laughs> one again that's the second super fail from these guys they are believe it or not pretty far underneath your level so <laughs> I think the indignity of the mess is, is probably enough Alindra, you can make an attack of opportunity though because it sees its friends fall it cannot hit you and tries to run away. That's a 21 to hit. Ah, that's a hit. (laughs) Okay, 27 damage. Oh, it's still up. It's barely up, but indeed it moved about 30 feet south on the the landing pad going back to the the main arm, the, the hub where the other landing pads, the broken landing pads sprouted off from. Mac Feldspar. Your turn. Uh, I'm going to run down here, uh, get him, and uh, can I wing him with the Corona pistol? I don't know, but we're just going to take a shot and see. That's a 29 to hit. That's a hit. Four or five damage. You put the the bolt right behind its ear, shearing off a good amount of flesh from the side of its head. It goes down, bleeding out, and it is dead. Sorry. <laughs> three, <laughs> three hit points left on that one as well, and we're out of combat. <laughs> Woohoo! Oh, oh boy. man. 
Welcome uh, to New York, everyone. Someone, someone help me tie this guy up. Yeah, so there is still, there's one of the three that is alive, uh, mainly because it took so much non-lethal damage from Adros <laughs> beating him up. Uh, you can take its weapons away, tensile rope it up, and uh, what, what do you guys want to do? Do we have a, <clears throat> like a holding area or anything at all on like the drift rider? You still have a single cargo bay, right? That's not spoken for. I, I, I have I have a question, and it's, this is more of a rules question. Um, what kind of check is it to learn a language? I'm presuming it's a. I mean, if it, if there's we would a, need magic. So there usually is actually a culture check that you can make to over a course of like you know ten minutes or so, make some kind of understanding of what someone's saying, but to speak it. To speak a language, I mean, you gotta know how to speak the language. There's not a, a lot of ways around that. Yeah, because we have Raimi's understand language spell, but we don't have anything that we can cast on this character to understand our language. I mean, he can, he can, he can cast understand comprehend languages on this guy. I believe, unfortunately, that spell is only self. Is that correct, uh, Miles? Mm, I, I think I, I can touch somebody. And I'm pretty sure he can give that to someone else, but let me look. Um, <laughs> it says range personal, so Patrick is correct. Okay. Oh, believe it or not, the game master knows <laughs> everything. Comprehend That's... languages, level one spell, and it is indeed range personal. So you, Rami, can understand what they're saying, and you can we can pretend you're uh, as we've done in the past, relating things back to to your your teammates, so you guys can be involved. Where's Rachel? Where is she? <laughs> I just don't want to kill them until we find out if these folks are evil. Well, well, kill they three clearly think we are. The... Well, if if you dropped in on their remote planet where they haven't seen anything, and you just were wielding weapons, I would probably call you a demon too. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> I would. He seems very upset. They draw like he's very. Uh, yeah, he's he's miffed. Mm. Actually, didn't Yex call us demons as well? Or am I misremembering? Well, Yex was under the the duress of a Scree sire, an, an, an aberration, a non-humanoid monster. And so had a lot of that creature's psychic kind of fingers on their mind. But yeah, these, these do seem, they, they seem like intelligent humanoid creatures, but uh, are just... As you're looking them over now, yeah, they've they've got these weapons and armor that look, that it just looks old. It looks cobbled together. It is indeed all archaic, kind of falling yeah. apart in places. Not in a hundred years, because these could these guys have beaten us in battle. This was a slaughter. <laughs> Whoa, Tyler, calm down. I could have rolled better. <laughs> I could have rolled really well. You never know. Uh, maybe if those uh, those one twenties so, instead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I, I I think you could have rolled all the twenties you've wanted. I don't think you would have gotten this. <laughs> that's not how. That's not how Starfinder worked. If you all had rolled ones the entire time, and I'd rolled twenties. Oh 20s, yeah. I don't. I don't think that's how math works, buddy. The podcast would have been over. <laughs> I don't oh, think that's well, how not, it would have worked. I'm buddy. not saying it's likely that that could have happened, <laughs> but that's every time we sit down at the digital table here always a, a possibility and it's my hope and dream that it happens one night <laughs> uh, oh boy uh right so you guys want to wake this one up yes sure. let's wake him up sure so as they come to if you spend some time here on the landing pad it looks very very frightened 
and Raimi, you can hear it say, no, please don't, do not hurt me, don't hurt demons. I will not look at you, I will not see you. Hey, buddy. Can I try something? What you want to do? So this is a gamble. I want to move right next to it. I want to. I want to untie its binds. We it, we've taken its weapons. It does not have weapons. I just want to untie it mm-hmm. and see what it does. No. Oh, well, not not gonna lie. It it it's gonna run away. <laughs> it's gonna try to to run away. Do you yeah. do you want to add anything on top of that? Any English in in the way of you know? Can I um, roll diplomacy on top of that? Yeah, you but I'm, I, you can uh, a non-verbal diplomacy, but I'm going to have to. Uh, one, there will be some negatives. Two, you'll have to describe what you're doing to uh, through the the power of interpretive dance, <laughs> get across to this creature that you are not a threat. Okay, so <laughs> imagine Nack. Do you have some kind of cute Isoki dance that you do? I'm 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 making eye contact with it. Hmm. Mm, in some cultures, not very popular. I'm holding my hands up without weapons in them mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. it sees that I'm unarmed. Got three eyes on this creature's head. Which eyes are you looking into? All of them. Oh, all right. So like kind of darting back and forth there. Make me a diplomacy check. This is going to be pretty hard. So that's a 28, and I can add my expertise die to that. You're going to have to because that won't be enough. It is a 30. Oh, yeah, it is. It is freaked out. It does indeed scramble backwards, maybe on its um, on its back, you know, uh, kind of like crab walk style back and uh, goes towards your ship, bumps into Raimi. Uh, it, it does look like it is uh, about to bolt. Ba, weep, gra, na, weep, nindibong. <laughs> yeah, it, it uh, it's just like absolutely freaking the pronk out. <laughs> and Raimi, you hear it say, uh, "Don't, don't kill! Do not, please!" Um, <clears throat> so I try to make motions uh, that we are not trying to kill it mm-hmm. or him or her. Okay, once again, that unfortunately it will be uh, diplomacy. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. So you can show your your hands as well. It just doesn't seem to get it. It is getting increasingly uh, frightened. Okay. I I I, I have a I have a question. So mm-hmm. I have comprehend languages, and I also have telepathic message. Can I send a message in its own language since it's not spoken? Unfortunately, no. You can understand, but you cannot communicate, even telepathically. If you want, you know, to enter this creature's mind with uh, a hymn, a melody, perhaps you can, but you can't can't speak. You don't even know what language it's speaking. Does anybody else have any ideas? Because if not, this this guy is going to bolt out of here. So just, just to confirm, is it speaking Triaxian? By any chance? No, I, I, okay. I th- this is not a language anybody has. I can tell you that. Okay, okay, cool. Okay, it, it, it. I know this seems like a weird gamble, but what if we give it its weapons back? Are you stupid? I mean, we. I'm gonna, I'm gonna back Edros up on that one. Look, you we, already untied it. Now it's running all over the place, and now you want to give it its weapons and, back. And if it tries to hurt us, it's not gonna be able to, and we will kill it almost immediately. Maybe. Just let it go. Maybe. Maybe giving it its weapons will show him that we're not monsters. We're not demons. I, I mean, I know it thinks I mean, we're demons, but you know, you could you could try to correct that I, interpretation. You know what? We're gonna step over here. You give him the weapons back. See what happens. No, fine. Here, give me the dang weapons. 
And Adros takes the weapons and just like hands it to the guy and then just like makes like a shoo shoo get like just whatever, leave. <laughs> right. So th- this alien looks very taken aback and Grammy, you can understand it. Say, you want me to to go? Uh, yes. So Remy nods in response, like just, yeah, we, we're not trying to hurt you. Terror on, on this thing's face as it, it moves over to the, the closest dead ally that you, you've left here on the pad. Prockett. <laughs> uh, take, takes a knee next to it and takes a bag off of it, its body and then, yeah, books it, runs out of the pad. <sighs> well, that ended about as exactly what I thought it would. <laughs> yes, we're Starfinders. We're supposed to be very adept at making first contact, and we've killed aliens that we have no knowledge about. It's a good good start. Well, let's let's at least look over the, the bodies of the other three, see if we can figure out anything else. It looks like he took something off of that one, so never see that again. <laughs> that was worth so many credits, you guys don't even know. <laughs> it's like the, the most expensive treasure you would have gotten this entire campaign. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish that was true. Uh, right, so you, you find only three aliens... This armor that they're wearing, this kind of mismatched, mismatched armor, this mismatched armor that they have on them. Three battle axes and, and three bows and, and quivers of arrows and a, a curious handheld device uh, on, on one of them. And it does indeed give off a, a faint magical aura, but it's it's not it's not like anything that you've you've seen before. Can I cast mysticism on it? Or? So, yeah, to identify it, you can do a skill check, a mysticism skill check, and I'll tell you right now, it is a, a DC 19 to, to figure out what this thing is. Ooh. Oh, boy. <laughs> Good roll there. 29, 16 on the dice. Yeah, just like um, turning it over, um, maybe trying to figure it out. It doesn't seem like any major magic that you would use, but it seems to be some kind of hybrid technological magic uh, medical scanner and a divine healing unit and you can kind of test it out on uh, <laughs> who got who got injured here knack <laughs> test it out waving it over them uh, this works like w- whenever someone uh, wants to use medicine uh, the skill uh, untrained they can they can do that now with this device to make a long-term stability check and use the device for first aid and the, the check then, if you're using this, you have it out. The DC for the medicine check for first aid is only DC 10. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. That's Basically, awesome. it's like the the medical device from, from Star Trek, I imagine. Uh, you guys, uh, there, there's, there's not anything written on this, but you can tell, I, I can tell you all from the AP, the name of this is a instinctive stabilizer. Instinctive so- stabilizer. So is there any benefit to somebody who has it, uh, who has uh, medicine trained, or is it really just uh, designed the, for people who are not trained? Uh, you can, the, the first aid DC is 10, so oh, um, right. I don't think it'd be super useful for you, because I think you're still, <laughs> you're uh, <laughs> auto-completing probably even without that, right? Yeah, medicine check of 20. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I've got a six medicine check, so that might be handy, but I don't know if, uh, or plus six to, me- to medicine. Who's got something close to that? I bet Ramey's is not bad, but yeah, Nack might be a great fit for that. Mm. Adras, Alindra, do you guys have any medicine? None. I can apply a band aid with my plus two. 
<laughs> I have plus one, so. Whoa. Oh. Well, uh, Calm yeah. down there, Florence Nightingale. So yeah, so either either uh, Ramy or Nack are probably best suited for that, but we'll figure that out. All right, so you can later uh, pick it up, Ramy, put it in your pocket. Let's see here. So if you guys want to, um, uh, one thing that you saw before the fight happened were these scorch marks on the the pad itself. Looking around, it, it does seem like a, a ship had landed here. Why don't you, anyone that has it, give me a, a physical science check? I can do that. I will. All right, DC on this 22, it looks like Alindra. You can you know, feel the material that the landing pad is made from. And you can tell that the scorch marks are only a few days old. Whatever ship caused them, you know, they're after burning, uh, whatever ship caused them, you can also tell the afterburner on it was running super hot. So this was heated extremely high temperatures in a short amount of time. So would that mean that somebody was trying to get out of here in a hurry? Or is that just like what normal ship engines do to a launch pad? Uh, why don't you give me an engineering check? A wheel? 23. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Two on the dice. You're like, I don't care if the dice aren't with me. <laughs> My skills are with me. Right, with that, you can... Uh, I mean, it might have been that they stalled here and their engine just burnt through the, the, the ground, leaving these massive marks. But you also think that it might just be someone with a ship that they don't know how to take care of or they don't care if they take care of it. Um, it definitely was uh, a dangerous afterburn. Okay. Okay. So either somebody was just like idling here for a while, or they were just, or they just like left the engines on because who gives a damn? It's a burn. Uh, yeah, well, they they were running them hot. Yeah. So either <laughs> someone was doing space donuts on the landing pad, or an improperly cared for afterburner. I see. Right. So do y'all, you guys, want to head out from the landing pad, go towards the city? Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, we investigated all can, of the bodies. Can we pull yes. the one off the side? Yes, or do you, we need you to? investigated them all. Yeah, I think Adros would want to pull up the one that is just hanging there and at least set the bodies aside, you know, neatly cover <laughs> them in a cover them in a cloth. Okay. Oh, just in case uh, the indigenous folk want to come retrieve them at some time. Moving away from the spaceport, um, you can enter into a structure built into the side of this floating island. The entrance has a large sign hanging above it that reads in this alien language. Raimi, you can still comprehend it. It's only been about 10 minutes since you guys have fought these creatures. In this alien language, in very bright, bold letters, it reads Istamek. I-S-T-A-M-E-K. Everyone else, you see these, you know, alien characters and are unable to to read the sign. But you can you can tell Miles Ramey can tell that something is different between the, the writing that you see on the sign and maybe some of the other ancient looking signposts that you pass on the outside of this building and the, the language that the aliens were speaking. But it do, does seem like they're connected, like maybe the same base language. But um, between the, the signs and the, the alien language, it seems like maybe one is like modern English and the other is like Shakespearean English. So they're just like a little off. Okay. But I still don't really know. I mean, that's just the name of the, t- the town, I guess. Yeah, you, you see some other signs that might, you know, read like landing or entrance and things like that. So you can you can understand them. Cool. Walking inside the building, you climb a few sets of stairs and find a large common room littered with the debris, um, broken furniture, 
the walls here are lined with many murals, some cut into the, the, the wall itself, others drawn in what look like charcoal and, and paints. The images showing crude figures that look very similar to the, the aliens that attacked you, and they're walking and they're climbing about what looks like, you know, a depiction of the landing pad. And yeah, across this this wide chamber, you find maybe 20 different murals, interstitial kind of scenes. Um, and then there's at the far end of this room, uh, a large set of windows. What um, do you guys like to do? I kind of want to check out the murals and see if they kind of give us any indication. Like, is it just artwork or is it is it depicting like like historical scenes or is it storytelling kind of stuff? Or is it just like abstract art? Why don't you give me a culture check? Oh. Can, that's all culture can i also culture check if you want to spend the time uh appreciate my artwork you can can i take 20 on culture uh yeah do you want to spend like 10 minutes here and, and rest up and uh, look things over sure. yeah yeah so you guys can take a look at there's like i said tons of these murals in this room mm. it seems like they're they're actually not necessarily artwork but some kind of guide or manual the, the, there's a, a single one that has a tons of tally marks and, and similar pictures of what looks like the sun at different angles to this floating island. And yeah, it seems like they depict seasons and times of the day. And it you, you see them, the images of these people harvesting this green um, lichen that's on the pad. And one picture indeed shows them eating this green plant. Hmm. Hmm. So they could they could be like they're harvesting the area in which the area in which we landed. Yeah, underneath the pad was like this, you know, very thick, spongy moss uh, growing on the underside of it. Hmm. So they could have just been Mabber landing in, in in their lunch spot. Hmm. Well, we'll have to keep going to find out more. Yeah. Uh, so as as you guys are looking over the murals, uh, maybe like ten minutes after you start peeping them. You hear a, a little bit of yelling outside, uh, down mm. down in in the city itself, outside this window. Can I look out the window? Uh, yes, if you guys all want to move over and take a peek. Yeah. yeah. It, is the language that we hear the yelling in any language that we understand, or does it sound like the language of the characters that we just met on the landing pad? It, it sounds, yeah, it sounds like the, the same alien language. And you can hear it very distantly. Uh, when you guys move to the window, you see a wide avenue below, a story below, and a large group of these alien creatures, about half of them in the same kind of chitinous armor of the group that you just fought, and the other in what looks like you know, more simple clothing, not armor, um, made of, of fibrous um, cloth and, and crumbling plastics. And go ahead and, and give me a perception check. Hmm. Okay, so we've got got some rolls here. Knack and Alindra, do you do either of you have mysticism? Uh, I a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you can roll it for me. You can also key in. Uh, I don't know, maybe Ramy who has it, but you see the, the the half that's unarmored of this group has a very very familiar symbol wearing around some of their necks on leather straps or, or patches kind of sewn into their their clothing looks like a, a shield with an upside down teardrop in the in the top going through the middle hey uh Ramy, look look at the symbol do you, do you know what that is <laughs> uh alindra what would you get on the mysticism check i rolled a 19 right alindra you are pretty sure you've seen this symbol in the packed world before 
and it's the symbol of a deity you've actually seen on Absalom Station of uh, Talavet, say a lawful goddess with roots found in, in community and tradition, um, very often worshipped by Kasothans. Um, I think you, you've seen it on your, your Kasothan Starfinder contacts, you know, um, sash that uh, that she wore. And just one four seven, if if this is pointed out for to you, you you've seen you know Talavet shrines on Absalom Station, and they're like you know small gathering places that are open and, and welcome to, to all species. But yeah, they, uh, half of these aliens seem to be wearing that on them. Hmm. Even in the Vescarium, Talibet was well known. Yeah, so I guess it is a a god that can go the distance, as it were, because you are on the basically the other side of the galaxy right now from Absalom, almost as far away as you can, can get. Hmm. So are they surrounding the building that we're in right now? Is that the... the no, these two groups, uh, yeah, as, as you watch them, they seem to be struggling. Half of them brandishing weapons. You see one push one of these these Talavet uh, fol- followers, and pushes them to the ground. And all of a sudden, one of the armored warriors brings up uh, what looks like a spear and just pushes it into into the, the one on the ground. And you see a... a a dark crimson blood spill out of a wound that it makes. They seem to be fighting, maybe some kind of robbery. Uh, we need to go help them now. Yeah, yeah. Andis uh, busts out one of the windows and starts shooting the laser rifle into the air. Wait, I have a question before we jump in. Um, mm-hmm. Can we tell from this distance whether these appear to be natives or do they? I mean, uh, these can are we tell all by the, their clothes and weapons. These are all the same aliens that you fought. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, this is They're the clothed same. in the same way as the one that we, ones that we fought and stuff. About half of them have very similar looking armor, the other clothing, but they are all the same alien species. You don't know what it is. Right. Okay. It seems like some sort of class Let's, disagreement. Yep. Let's defend the followers of Talavet, and hopefully then they will help us. And is busting out the window, uh, shooting in the air. Um, you see a number of these armored warriors kind of look up in your direction. Yeah, and the same look that the the alien on the landing pad gave you as as it ran away. Just shock, fear, terror in their eyes, and they they bolt. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Andis Andis yells, <laughs> You do the the, <laughs> the yell from uh, A New Hope of the right. Uh, right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they they are spooked easily, indeed, and and take off. And by the time you guys get down the stairs out onto the street, there's just a group of these these clothed aliens. Um, kind of as we're going down, I I warn everybody that they're easily spooked, but they will soon return and in greater numbers. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Would it be possible to pull up the the just like a big symbol of? Uh, Talavet on a data pad. Do you have a data pad? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Nothing's easier. Yes. <laughs> just like, just like, just like strapped to my arm. Just like I hold it up. Just like check it out. Right. So as you come up to this group, yeah, anyone can make a, a mysticism check for me. It seems like they are uh, praying over the um, the expiring body of of their their friend who's still on the ground, seems to be bleeding out. Oh, uh, I, I, I rush to I rush to help. Ooh boy! So Alindra, you you can recognize this as prayers to Talavet 
Raimi, you've seen this before, but it looks kind of a little wooden, some of their movements. Maybe they don't know exactly what they're doing because they're out of sync. They, yeah, uh, as soon as you run up and just they, they're spooked, they jump up off their, their knees, kind of back away. Raimi, you hear them say, oh my, what, what are these? Who are they? And you're Andis administering some kind of uh, some help. Yeah, if I, if I need to expend uh, serums, I can do that, or I can just make a medicine, medicine check to try to stabilize. Yeah, no, you can do that. Go go ahead and, and put it in this roll on that medicine check. That is a 39. Go what? <laughs> go, uh, 19 on the dice. That'll probably do. That'll probably um, get it done. Yeah, so you can start administering care. It does look like it's bleeding out pretty badly, but you are able to, to stabilize the wound. Mm. Raimi? Uh, yeah, so I, I wanted to... So I wrote a 30 on my missus check, and I wanted to go up as, like slowly and continue praying in the same way in which they were to kind of put them at ease and to show them that I, I know their customs and, and I'm trying to uh, align myself with them. Okay, yeah, so with with the 30, you can mimic easily a follower of Talavet's kind of like prayer motions, you know, like raising the hands up above and like doing some like wide <laughs> arm gestures. And it, it does seem to put them at ease. They, You hear one of them say, what, what is it doing? What? And uh, they, uh, one of them looks unafraid, kind of rushes up to its friend on the ground and, and looks you dead in the eyes. And it's 147. It's like, they... They are here to, to help, perhaps. She looks over her friend where, you know, you're you're patching up this wound and tries to help. And uh, and she looks at all of you and says, I, I am called Grixil. She thanks you with the words of the unknown. Come here, you all as, as friends, correct? Am I the only one that can understand this? Yeah, you can, like I said, you can relay it to, to okay. everyone else. So, so I relay that to everyone else and then turn to Grixel and and point to myself and nod in yes mm. to her asking if I'm, am I, if I'm a friend. Right. She kind of like sees you making this head gesture and kind of mimics it. And uh, you see it give like a hand gesture back in your, your direction, like a little, little uh, like hand wave that seems to be there. They're affirmative. And it's like, we, we. The, these ones are not here to hurt, but to help. Uh, so I mimic that. Oh, from the depths of our soul, we thank you. Please uh, follow us. And the, the, she's also making these like wide hand gestures, kind of mimicking Talavet prayer motions. We would like to take you to she that leads us. She who who weaves the tales of, of the lost and the unknown. And in their language, uh, Grixel says, uh, tell, tell that the, the storytellers is what you hear, but you know that her as Talavet. Uh, so I turn to the rest of the group and say, uh, she's taking us to their leader. Well, that worked out. Very good. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Idris, could you give me a hand here? And I'm going to try to like fashion like a, like a stretcher out of like some sticks and maybe a couple like <laughs> like put my put my laser rifle as like a cross beam for the thing and so well with with your medicine check you are able to give uh hit points back 
attuned okay. to this creature. All right, um, so I'm able to get this one. person sort of back up on their feet so we can just sort of support yeah. them. They're definitely still wounded, and it, it'll take some time to, to heal up this wound in their side, but you've stopped the bleeding, and yeah, the, maybe they lean on one of their compatriots, but they are able to, to walk along with you all. Okay, cool. Uh, right, so the, this this uh, alien woman, Grixel, uh, leads you towards the west, uh, across the island, and uh, to your right, you see dozens of broken down and very weather-worn structures where windows stood all but the thickest of panes have been broken. There are large piles of, of refuse that clog most of the streets and rubble and what looks like detritus, you know, trash just heaped on high in massive mounds. And to your left, there's nothing. <laughs> you see the pale dot of the sun illuminated through a haze of, of thin atmosphere. And the island just crumbles away into the emptiness of space. You're, you're right on the the southern edge of the the island. Mm, gotcha. And if you you know take a look down below, it's a crazy impossible distance, but you can see this ocean of thick orange and yellow clouds reflecting the sunlight, and it kind of makes the entire island look like it's in a perpetual sunset. Ooh, aw, that's pretty. I snap a picture. Vaporwave aesthetics, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Time to put on those um, UPB created shades. <laughs> so eventually they lead you to a, a large building in the southwest corner of the island. And it's surrounded by broken and gutted high rises that have collapsed and other squat larger complexes that look like they're in disrepair. But this one's not that bad off this building that they lead you to. It, it's long but a rather short building, you know, not even two stories tall. Around it, there are fields of, of grasses and small gardens, and you see they're tended by 10, 12 of these aliens. Some young, uh, you know, maybe three, four foot tall alien children are, are in like a circle and they're throwing a, a hoop amongst them and they, they lose concentration and, and drop their hoop. As you all pass by, you see the same look in their eyes Dozens of these three-eyed aliens just kind of slack-jaw, afraid. On the outside of this structure, is freshly painted, is a large purple sign, and it is a representation of Talibet's symbol. But it's like 10 foot tall on the just on the outside. This is what the building looks like. Man, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a deviation, but like, boy, howdy, would it be nice to have a, one of those Xeno-seekers right now. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's if you have one of those in your party right now, you're you're set. All <laughs> uh, right, so they Grixel leads you inside and picks up a torch, and that's the only light you've seen here. Like this torch, some small fires uh, lighting an interior hallway, and you're you pass by mostly barren rooms and are led into a back chamber where a few fires stand illuminating dozens of etched and drawn murals on the walls. There are symbols of Talavet carved into the floor and the support columns and painted in the same purple paint as out front. And standing before you is a, a, a female of the species in simple brown robes wrapped in, in a multicolored scarf delicately around her head. She barely moves as you all file into the room. For the first time, you do not see fear or really any emotion cross her face as she sees you and she waits for you to kind of stand still and, and settle and then 
moves forward in your direction and reaches a handout. And she's going to go to the tallest, Edros, first and kind of uh, gesture to touch you on the forehead. He leans down so that she can reach him easily. You definitely feel some kind of magic being woven upon you. And when she lifts her hand, you hear her intoning like under her breath. May her words be shared and her story told. She moves down the line and begins to to touch everyone. May you welcome them to your tribe and understand the path which brought them to your door. So she goes around, touches you all, and you can hear and understand what she's saying. Although it sounds a little odd at first, but uh, as you hear this natural language she's speaking, it's layered on top of words that just seem to psychically pop into your mind. And when you speak, it, it seems like you can all understand what she's saying now. That's you mean. I was here. Um, hello? I can hear you. Can you understand me now? She nods her head and when, oh, when, you, <laughs> when you're talking, yeah, it sounds like you're speaking both her language and your own. Uh, it just oh, magically well, this is amazing. <laughs> Andis steps forward and takes a knee and uh, says, Mistress, we, we must tell you. We were attacked when we landed on this rock. There are there are three dead on the head to the southwest. She nods again and says, Dark times call for dark deeds. The ultimate judge of your actions and the harshest in the end will be your own. But that is not to be helped. I must greet you, wanderers. I think I know the answer, but I must ask, did you come here meaning to inflict this pain and suffering or are you here to set right what has been done to my tribe and my people the second one I mean, we yes we we are on the heels of some very bad people uh, that have come from our system and we are trying to rid rid any the entire galaxies of their evil if they have come here and harmed you of course we will fix or try to fix anything that they have done who are you all from from whence do you come we are from the oh. starfinder society on absalom station in the pact worlds Starfinder. i know not these places these things of which you speak what may i call you oh well my name is Adros. Uh, the moody one in the back is Raimi. The short one is Nack. The one with the antenna is Alindra. And the one kneeling in front of you is Andus147. I love how I'm the moody one, yet I'm the, the friendly one who's gotten us to this, this point. <laughs> You're also the one who decided to murder the guys on the dock, so I wouldn't necessarily talk about Alfred. Uh, no, the first death was Alindra's. Ah, <laughs> uh, the most <laughs> moody of moves. Murder. Now the, now the Foinger... <laughs> Now the finger pointing begins. <laughs> right, right, right. So Grixel comes up and, and whispers into this, uh, what looks like a an, an elder's ear, and she nods knowingly and says, And I am Tezale. I lead these peoples here in the cloud side. We are Kish, and we are outcasts from the Kish of Hearth. We survive here on the outskirts doing what we must. And I was told here by my friend Grixel that you helped to save one of our own. And for that, I am in your debt, finders of the stars. 
Why are your people being oppressed? You have come to us in times of woe. I was exiled from the hearth, and these my people followed me. I dared speak out against Zavra the Huntmaster, decrying the desecration of tradition, and he has a grudge against me for it. Now his hunters assault my faithful in the wastes. We try only to defend ourselves, as we do not wish violence upon any who we, we once called brother and sister, for doing so in even in the darkest of times. The times of death and famine is not our way. Why does this one want you dead? Huntmaster Zavra? Yes. He is now chief advisor of Hoifek, the chieftain of the Hearth Kish. I was once among Hoifek's advisors as well, until recently. Zavra has destroyed a tradition as old as our people. He and his followers occupied the Great Temple, and in an attempt to protect it, sealed its doors. I stood my ground with the chieftain, and I said I could not let this pass, and I was exiled for my beliefs. This great temple that you speak of, what is its purpose? The temple found is one of our most sacred sites, for it was there our ancestors became mighty and strong, as the tales and traditions tell us. We had it open to all Kish to inspire and strengthen them, but after the attack... Zavra sealed himself and his elite warriors inside. He wanted to keep the strength of our ancestors for his hunters alone, and so I spoke out against him. And after my exile, with me too many Kish that felt the same left hearth, and we came here to Cloudside to survive. Sorry, you said after the attack? What attack is this? There was an attack on the temple. Strangers, some of whom looked like you, they came and... And they asked many questions, and then they they ransacked, they desecrated the great temple found, and they attacked our people. There were many deaths. And it sort of looks over meaningly at the rest of the group. Did, uh, did this group, did they mention anything about a stellar degenerator? Did they, did they wear a symbol that looked like, uh, uh, what is it, what did it look like? A red ring with points coming out of it, kind of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she understands just from that description. It's like, yes, yes, they had armor on with teeth mm-hmm. and, and bone spikes. And I, am, I would say I'm surprised to hear you say these words, but Stellar Degenerator, I, I've heard it many times in these last dozen days. The, the other strangers, they, they said these words as well. Yes, the the men wearing the bone armor, they, they are from the Pact Worlds. They are a they're a type of cult. They seek the stellar degenerator so that they can bring an end to all life across all worlds. When was this attack? They arrived in, in a metal floating cloud like I, I have heard that you arrived in, but th- theirs was a different shape, a, a darker color, and it looked angry, red and sharp. It was many days ago. I and the other advisors in the temple found we welcomed them in, but they attacked with terrible weapons. They slayed my friends, they desecrated the Vault of Tales, and then they returned to their cloud and melted into the sky. We have not seen them since. Do we still have one of those corpse fleet insignias on us? Yeah, if you show it, she's like, meh, what? Doesn't okay. seem to be them. Okay, so, not the corpse fleet. Let's be the cult. Uh, she's like, oh, creepy skull. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely just a, this is just a cult of the, cult of the devourer. The corpse fleet has, yeah. doesn't seem to have made any contact yet. Yeah. Do, do you have any idea where these evil people might have gone after they left 
hearth. She relates that they indeed did see them go back to a metal cloud and fly away. Oh, so they, let, they let the planet. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they don't have the technology to track anything like that, where they might have gone. Um, Sounds like we need to check out this temple, though, to see what what they were doing up there, what they what they wanted, and what they obviously found. Possibly this source of power that she was talking about. I. I agree. I, I'm i afraid we might need to have access to this temple so we can try and figure out way there, where they may be headed next. Do you know of any way that we may show those who are ho- the hunters who are holding themselves up in the temple that we mean them no harm and that we are worthy to enter? Unfortunately, if I was not able to convince them, I, I imagine it would be harder for strangers such as yourself the advisors of Hoifek, um, they, they knew how to seal the entrances through ancient means. They may now only be opened if Zavra so wishes. But now that you mention it, I have heard before of our ancestors whisper of another way inside the temple found. Uh, perhaps if you seek their counsel and prove yourself worthy, their voices too might speak to you. That does sound like our best you know, option. Yeah, seems promising. I believe that you are here under good intentions. I will help you in your quest if you agree to help us set right what the others did. I promise we will will help return any semblance of peace that we can. There are two locations close by that my people go to commune with the ancestors. They are places of, of magics and powers. And we have performed many sacred cleansing rituals at these sites. But since Chieftain Hoifek has turned away from his curates and listened only to his huntmasters, we have not been able to go to these places in some time. I-, I warn you, each might be dangerous in getting to them hard, as other Kish might attack you on sight, given the fear uh, of attack from these these outsiders. If if you enact these rites, you might be successful. But only if you tell the spirits of our Kish ancestors that you honor the traditions and people of Istamek, only then can you be deemed worthy. Do do we need to say that in a specific language? So she says that the uh, what she has cast on you, this spell, I can tell you in game terms, this is the spell Tongues. Mm-hmm. And this will, uh, at the very least, last, I believe, for uh, an hour. Let's double okay. check here. Right, so we sort of got to get moving. I think like an hour or so. Yeah. So you guys agree to uh, to what she's proposing? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, right. so. Let's go. So she says, the first site of ancient power is known to our peoples as a place of healing, contemplation, and science. We, we call it the house of renewal. And those Kish who fall ill or, or there are other things that weigh upon their spirit, they make pilgrimages there to cleanse themselves. And if the ancestors judged them to be pure of heart, they emerge healed and whole. But those ancestors who judge us as wicked, or those Kish, they do not return. And when they do, they are not the same. And the other site of ancestral power is a place that Kish fear, but they should not. It is called by my peoples, the maze of ghosts. And the apparitions within, though, they are not evil demons, but I believe them to be the souls of our great ancestors given form. The visions there are strongest, but perhaps 
They are stronger even than the voices heard within the temple found. For you can see and you can hear them. It is a place the curates would go many times to learn about our great people and our ancestors, the founders of Istamek. To learn our history, there you might find answers about your quest. Which of these two would you like to travel to first? And to I sort say of, we go for the maze. Yeah, and it sort of quails when uh, she mentions the Temple of the Renewal and says, Uh, how about that maze? <laughs> 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 TikTok <laughs> It's time. Death avoidance is the root of all evil. <laughs> I'll catch up with you guys later. Uh, so maze of ghosts is what you guys are, are picking? Yeah. yeah. Spook house. I like a spook house. <laughs> she says, head there when you are ready. And if you receive the blessings of the ancestors, please relay to me the story for I will relate your tale to my people and I will let them know that not all outsiders are demons from the stars above. We won't let you down. Uh, She nods and begins to let you file out of the room, but does reach back and put a hand on your shoulder, Alindra, and it kind of, you know, pulls you back into the chamber and is expecting everyone else to leave. Is that okay okay with you guys? (laughs) I I, I leave. I leave. Yeah. Petrus is just walking out like, I can't believe I can speak two languages at one time. This is the (laughs) craziest thing I've ever done. I know, right? What am I even saying? This is amazing. Magic is so cool. I'm going to order Hardee's in two languages. (laughs) Oh, good. I think actually, uh, yeah, tongues... it's you can speak like anything, you know, <laughs> any dialect, yeah. any language, uh, really? only one at a time. But you can still understand several languages at once. I want a big Montana with cheese. <laughs> uh, Alindra, so she uh, gives you a, a very knowing glance, kind of looks you up and down and says, Alindra, I, I did not tell the others, but the storyteller came to me in, in a vision some days ago. I saw her in the dreaming pool. And that is when I began to worship Talavet. I believe, though, I too saw you there. Is, is that possible? I, I, I wasn't there, but I may have had a similar vision. To be honest, I had a dream weeks ago about a face that I had never seen before. Before any of your kind stepped foot here on Estimek. In the dream, I was telling a young one about our past when then the temple found... And I believe that you were there. You you listened intently. And when the dream started to melt, you came close. And I could see then that something was off. I twisted and turned in my sleep. But your eyes were not like they are now. They were black and endless. And I saw something dark, something evil about them. You came up to me, grasped me. I tried to escape. You would not let it in you. You leaned in. You spoke, and I could understand. You said to me, "To be continued." There, oh. <laughs> you're the worst. Yeah, got us, man. I was actually going to ask if I recognized this temple or this lady <laughs> from my vision. Mm, we're gonna have to wait on that until next episode. <sighs> we find out all the secrets of of this place and these people. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> hey, uh, first contact initiated. Second contact, a little bit better, but uh, <laughs> you, you all, you've met the Kish of Istamek on the, the Nijior 6, and everyone's still alive uh, of your party, so 
Put that in the wind column. Bonus. So this place is known as Cloudside, huh? Uh, This part of the island, yeah, where they're they're living. The other side of the street is a bunch of clouds. But Uh, it is the island of Istanbul that we are currently adventuring on. Istanbul, Constantinople, now it's Istanbul. Uh, <laughs> what do you guys think? It's been it's been some time leading up to this place. What, what do you think you're gonna find in the maze of ghosts? Ghosts? Uh, oh, I hope some spooky spooks. <laughs> I, I'm, I've just copied an episode of uh, Scooby Doo for next week. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's gonna be a lot of like running out of this door, then going through I, that one. Oh and then God, God, I would be so door. happy I mean, uh, that one case. <laughs> it was <laughs> old man Tahoman the whole time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So I, I'm excited. I, I think it's <laughs> I think it's going to be cool because, like she said, uh, uh, there are visions. So I think we'll probably all get. To, I'm, I'm hoping we all get to see our own visions as well as maybe uh, get to commune with the souls of the ancestors and learn more about this culture's history and maybe how they connect to the stellar degenerator. That's what I'm hoping. I'm, I'm hoping my visions tune into Boomerang, so I have Scooby action. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we'll find out next week. On the episode, uh, as we head on to the maze of ghosts, what is going to show up there? I'm very excited. Uh, I was hoping you'd pick that one <laughs> first. Both are fun, but uh, oh boy, let's get into it next time. But before then, thank you all for playing with me. Thank, thank you. you. As always, it's been a pleasure. Say goodnight to everybody out there listening to us. Good night, everybody. Listen to us. And thank goodnight, you, everybody. Chef. Ooh. Oh yeah.